0: How's everybody doing today? Good. good. You ought to be just smiling from ear to ear with all this rain that we got. Man, isn't the Lord good? So thankful to have received all that rain I could have done without the wind. Um, had a deer stand that was collateral damage to the wind, but you know, you guys are all smiles. I'll be okay too. <laughs> anyway, it's so good to see you this morning. If you're visiting with us, we'll hope you'll take a brief moment Uh if you know how to use a QR code, if you look in the bulletin, there's a QR code that you can scan, and it will take you to an online bulletin. Scroll down to the bottom. There's a digital connection card that you can fill out. We just want to know that you're here. promise not to harass you. If you're visiting with us online, it's on your screen. You can do that as well. I um, want you to know that today is the fifth Sunday, and if you're visiting with us and you didn't know it was fifth Sunday, that's okay. It's, it's lunchtime after, after the preacher finally gets done. Finally. Gets done, but it's all, it's there and it's waiting on you. So we hope that you'll be able to stay around for that today. Um, after lunch today, there will be a deacon ordination. This morning we're going to or this afternoon, I should say, our church is going to ordain Joel Ratliff and Brandon Shanklin. But we're going to install three deacons in our church. It's Joel Ratliff, Brandon Shanklin, and Jack Shanklin, and uh, we're looking forward to that this afternoon. It's a very special service for these men, so. Please do make every effort to attend. Sleeping kids, bring them along, um, and, and it would be great. But just to show these men um, that you uh, are thankful for their call to ministry and that you support them. Um, so please, please, this is a very special service. I do remember my own deacon ordination uh, ever how many years ago it was in, in uh, Copper's Cove at First Baptist Church. And the men that I were, was ordained with, and it was, uh, it was very special. I even had my dad come by and pray over me. So, I mean, just when you have, um, I just, I just want to let you know it, it really is special. Um, there will be no evening services tonight. So, um, if you need a longer nap after a full stomach and an extra afternoon activity of deacon ordination, well, we served it up for you because we're here for you. Uh, and then a, a couple of other announcements. Um, next Sunday is Daylight Savings Time. Uh, don't forget to set your clocks back an hour before you go to bed uh, and, uh, because Daylight Savings Time ends early next Sunday morning. Um, there is a CentraKid Silent Auction fundraiser, and that's going to be on December 3rd and 4th. And uh, these are the dates if you'd like to make something or donate something for the auction the hours of that will be determined later, so make sure you contact Jerry if you have any questions. And finally, uh, the women of the Word got us off to a great start by packing 122 Christmas boxes. There are some empty boxes in the foyer, and if you would like to pack one, then you can do that. And uh, please place the fill boxes in the foyer no later than November 13th. And those boxes will be dedicated in the November 13th Worship service. You'll notice in our worship service for the next three Sundays, uh, we will have a video from Operation Christmas Child so that um, if you're not aware of what Operation Christmas Child is all about, you'll get your feet wet. And then also, just a reminder to us about how much of a ministry it is to these kids to receive a box. I do have a, a thank you note from the Women of the Word Fellowship. It says, Dear Church Family, Thank you, for all, thank you all for serving God through Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes. Last Tuesday, we packed 122 shoeboxes, plus I know of 12 boxes that were taken home that night to be packed with their families. God is great all the time. Also, if you have not had a chance to help and would like to help, you can still pack a box on your own or make a monetary donation to help cover shipping costs. There's also a 12-week discipleship class that only costs $6. I highly recommend that you pay for that. Because you'll see testimony of that in uh, subsequent videos about how God has used that discipleship class to bring kids into the kingdom. So after the completion of this class, the child will receive a New Testament Bible in their own language. Thank you again for your service in sharing God's name, word, and love, Women of the Word Fellowship. So, Sam, yes sir.
1: Anyone else
0: have an announcement that needs to be made? All right, would you please stand? We'll have our call to worship. Call to worship comes from Hebrews 13, verse 15. And let's all say this together. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Let's let's worship together.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Savior's love for
0: introduce the Operation Christmas Child video I just want to remind you um, this is the uh, typically at the end of October, you know we start our emphasis on the Texas State Missions in September, typically toward the end of October then we send in and it hasn't been sent in yet has it Marsha? Have you sent in the okay, so we have surpassed our goal and if you did not have an opportunity to give yet you can still do that, there are envelopes in uh, the pew, you can do that and write a check designated in the notes however you'd like to do it uh, but there is there is today, and uh, if you tell Marsha, hey, wait, I haven't I haven't given yet and left my checkbook at home, she'll probably wait on you. But uh, praise the Lord for um, our church, and, and we're used to this, we surpass our giving goals. Praise the Lord for that. Um, so I trust that the Lord's going to use that for His glory in the state of Texas. Uh, but we transition from the state of Texas to around the world, we're kind of in that in-between time between... Um, State of Texas, and then Lottie Moon, which is International Missions, uh, which we take. Uh, we began that in uh, in the end, toward the end of November, uh, and so in that in between time, we get a little time to focus on International Missions again with Operation Christmas Child box uh, ministry. Last year, we how many 300 and, 302 boxes, and we're already one hundred and twenty two ahead of the curve. So got a couple more Sundays if you'd like to get your box done. empties out in the foyer. If you have any questions, you can make sure and talk to Jerry. Uh, Barbara, I think, is also someone you can talk to. Kayla, with all the box packing they did last week at Women of the Word, she'd be able to help you as well. But if you have any questions, make sure and talk to those folks. But sit back and enjoy uh, the, the, the joy on these kids' faces as they receive their Christmas boxes. Three!
1: When those lids come off those boxes, you've never seen such pure joy. So
0: many smiles, of children just become wild and crazy. It's indescribable.
1: To watch that child open that box for her the very first time see the look on their faces, and it's amazing that God used a simple shoebox to bring that much joy.
2: This is amazing, as you can see the children's faces, they are excited as they open up the gifts for the first time.
1: What makes the gifts more than just gifts is the message that comes with the gift. This is the opportunity for a child to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the best gift of all, is becoming part of God's family.
2: Thank you. We are very happy. God bless you. Yay!
1: These people back behind us, they're giving their time. FAMILIES HAVE GIVEN BOXES, THE ENTHUSIASM, THE EXCITEMENT, IT'S OFF THE CHARTS. WE'RE JUST SO THANKFUL FOR THESE VOLUNTEERS, WE COULDN'T DO IT WITHOUT. them.
2: THEY ARE THE HEART OF THE MINISTRY, AND BECAUSE OF THEM, MANY CHILDREN, LIKE EVEN ME, ACCEPT JESUS AS THE LORD AND SAVIOR. WHAT CHILDREN NEED MORE THAN
3: ANYTHING IS
2: LOVE, HOPE, AND FAITH IN GOD. EVERY SHOE BOX GIFT IS AN OPPORTUNITY TO SHARE YOUR FAITH.
1: WE THANK YOU FOR THIS MINISTRY THAT IS YOURS. That you use a shoebox gift to go around the world to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It starts with a simple shoebox gift, and from there, these gifts go around the world and are given to each child. It could be in a pickup truck. It could be at the top of a bus, the roof of a taxi, camels and donkeys, canoes going up the river, whatever it takes to get these gifts into the hands of children. And that's only the beginning
3: children receive the books, they get to go through a 12-lesson discipleship course, and these children, they're committing their lives to Christ, and they get to share their faith with other children.
2: After a child completes the greatest journey, they graduate and receive a certificate and a Bible in their own language. My name is Romina Alejandra. I really like to draw and cook. One day, I was drawing, and I wanted some markers. And I asked my mother if she could buy them for me. She said no, because she didn't have the money. Today, we received gift boxes. When I opened the box and saw the markers, I was very excited. I learned about God through the box. Today, I prayed that Jesus Come into my heart. I am very grateful to everyone, to God, and to you all for bringing me this box.
1: This box provides the opportunity to put a smile on a child's face, gets them to know more about Jesus Christ, and also be disciples so that they can be disciple makers in the world. they're trained and equipped to go out and share their faith with others. And many times in areas where it's an unreached people group, the Bible tells us the time is now. We have seen churches being planted. We have seen people being transformed. The mission of Operation Christmas Child never changes. Children are coming to Jesus, and children are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. This is incredible. Millions of children around the world are being impacted by these simple shoebox gifts. One box can touch not just the child, but the whole family. So we need to keep packing those boxes and pray for the children that God will use this in a very special way. So thank you for being a part of it. God bless you.
3: If you will take out your copy of God's word, we're going to turn to Philippians 4, 4 through 9. let your gentle spirit be known to all men the lord is near be anxious for nothing be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to god and the peace of god which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus finally brethren whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is of good repute If there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Of all things, I saw that this week on the Chicken Express sign. I mean, y'all think that God can't work through fried chicken. I'll be real with you for a moment that I needed that person that moment because I had a really, really rough week. And I know nobody else in this room has a rough week. But here's the reality is that when we have a rough week, that God's bigger than our week. And there are times burdensome and dark at times but you are our strength your burden is light and your light burns through the darkness this morning father speak to us words of life that your grace may overwhelm us not to make us feel better but to change our we need you this morning, God. In the name of Jesus Christ alone, we pray. Amen.
0: Would you please take your copy of God's Word? Turn to the book of Hebrews. It will be in Hebrews chapter 4. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, you should find a hardback black one somewhere around you. Hopefully it's in the pew near you. If you'll turn to Hebrews chapter 4, which is on page 171 in the back of the Bible. We're still in a sermon series entitled, His Glorious Grace. And the title, the subtitle of this morning's message is Taking Hold of Sufficient Grace. Uh, If you think back to last week, um, the, the subtitle of the sermon was The Sufficiency of Grace. And so perhaps you can see the practicality of the subtitle, Taking Hold of Sufficient Grace. I would ask you to please stand for the reading of God's word. This is Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, and this is God's word. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray, Lord. Lord, we... We praise you for the last hymn that we sang. All that it says about our Savior Christ Jesus. How through it we admit our need, our weakness. And how we turn our hearts not to our suffering. uh, To perhaps a self-imposed pity party. But we turn our attention to a risen Savior. Who is our great high priest at your right hand. Our mediator, one who is, is no longer man, just because he ascended to heaven. That's not true. No, he's God and man, fully God, fully human, and he is the perfect mediator for us between us and you. And so, Lord, as we consider once again your sufficient grace, remind us of the ordinary means by which you. Instruct us to take hold of the grace that is yours, that is all-sufficient. We pray this in the name of our Savior, Christ the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. As I indicated, last week's sermon was on the sufficiency of grace. talked about how God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient for our salvation. And in that sense, we use the word grace in this way. That God's grace in salvation is His unmerited favor towards sinners. People that could not earn it, do not deserve it, get grace. Receive salvation. God's grace is all sufficient for that. Don't ever, if you're a person here today, and you've never received Christ Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you might say to yourself, but you don't know me. You don't know me. You don't know what I've done. Well, I don't need to know all you've done. I know that there is a Savior who has done it all to take care of your sin. His grace is all sufficient for your sin. You couldn't earn it. You don't deserve it. And that's why it's all of grace. God's grace is also sufficient for our sanctification. God gives to us the gracious gift of of holiness. God's grace is also sufficient for our suffering. And here's where last week when we talked about Paul and and his thorn and he heard the words from the Lord after he prayed three times, Lord, please take this thorn away from me because it was causing him to suffer. It was a messenger of Satan designed to harass Paul to keep him from becoming Conceded, and he heard these words from the Lord, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I don't know that those were exactly the words Paul was hoping he would hear. I think he was hoping that the thorn would be removed. But instead he said, not going to remove the thorn, but I'm going to give you grace that's all-sufficient for that thorn. It's bigger than that thorn. It will outlast that thorn. When that thorn is a thought 10,000 years from now in in the recesses of your mind, you'll remember the thorn, but it it will be dominated by this grace that was all-sufficient. And again, when a person comes to Christ, we think of God's unmerited favor towards sinners. That's what grace is. But for believers, we turn to a different definition, a different sense of the word. It's the divine power given by God for the Christian life. So again, the subtitle of this morning's sermon is Taking Hold of Sufficient Grace. And it's based on the question, how do you take hold of sufficient grace? The sufficient grace the Lord promised to Paul... He initially promised it to Paul, but it's also a promise that by virtue of being a believer just like Paul, we can claim. So that's going to be the focus of this morning's sermon and next Sunday's sermon. And There's a lot that could be said to answer the question, how do I take hold of sufficient grace? But in general, the answer is really quite simple. And the writer of Hebrews helps his readers arrive at the simple answer, and so that's My prayer for us that we will arrive at the simple answer of how to take hold of sufficient grace. There's four assumptions in this text in Hebrews. And the first one is that we will have times of need. Need comes in various forms. There are a couple that are mentioned here in the text. Verse 15 talks about weaknesses. Weakness is um, a, a Greek word that communicates the fact that those who possess the weakness are incapable. Incapable. Don't have the strength. They're, not only are they incapable, they are ineffective. So let's say that there's something coming at them that they need to fight off. They're unable to because they're not weak enough. And whatever defense they put up, they're not, it, it's not enough. Therefore... People who have weakness are susceptible to temptation. And that's the other uh, um, need that is described in the text or mentioned in the text. In verse 15, it talks about temptation. That Jesus, our great high priest, was tempted just as we are. Temptation is usually temptation to sin. And I want to stop right there and say you probably think, well, duh, pastor, we we understood that. I want to take this just one step further and make sure you understand something. Because I don't know if you've ever had evil thoughts pop into your mind, bad things pop into your mind. I wish I could say that that wasn't true about me. But to have things just pop into your mind, you think, could I really think that? Am, am, I, really, am I really saved? If I think this, am I, am I actually called to the ministry? It's one thing to be tempted. It's another to sin. And there's a difference between the two. Our Savior was tempted, yet did not sin. Temptation is not sin. So when temptation comes, don't think automatically, I'm this sinful human being. Satan wants to make you believe that. But temptation is not sin. Need takes other forms. It can be hardship or struggle. It can be the trials and tribulations of life in general. And especially those that we encounter in the Christian life. Like Christ said, If anyone wishes to come after me and follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Does It doesn't say uh, hop in the Cadillac, Escalade, and, and we're going to just roll down the street... Uh, Down down Hollywood Boulevard And it's going to be just all peaches and cream He says take up your cross Sometimes that's what the need looks like Sometimes you could be like Paul Where you have this thorn That God has introduced into your life Or allowed into your life So in order to achieve A greater purpose for your good And his glory Could be that you go through testing Job went through some testing I would say he's probably been tested about as much as any human other than the Jesus Christ, the Lord. James talks about in verse in, in chapter one about being tested, and that God uses that uh, to to grow us, to 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 show us what it means to persevere, so that we can be equipped, not lacking any good thing. So sometimes need is testing. Sometimes the need we have is just the simple fact that. There is, and I wish it wasn't true. Christ could, could hold up under any temptation. We have no idea the degree to which he was tempted. Because his limit of breaking, well, first of all, he couldn't break. He's, he's God. But our limit for breaking is, is so much less than, than what his could potentially be if he could sin, which he could not. Nevertheless, what I'm getting at is that sometimes our need looks like we have succumbed to sin, to temptation, and we need mercy and forgiveness. Now, underlying this assumption is this. And I hope that... I've got to say, on Sunday nights, we've been going through this this, um, study called the Gospel-Centered Life. And... And There were times that things got really real. People just were vulnerable, talking about, about their own personal spiritual life. And I thought it was really, really good. But it's not for everyone. And here's why I think it's not for everyone. Because a lot of times people try to hide or diminish or downplay the reality of their needs. Perhaps I don't want anybody to know about my need or it's not really all that bad. But the writer of Hebrews in this text assumes we will have times of need. His next assumption is this, we'll ask for help in times of need. And that's a real issue. How often in the Christian life do we become like the stereotypical man who is lost and will not stop and ask for directions? You know what I mean there? No, honey, I'm not lost. Do you know where you are? I know where I am. Where are we? I'm figuring it out. Not willing to address, uh, to, to say, I have need and I need to ask for help. No, I'm going to drive around until I recognize some <clears throat> some landmark, some something that will let me know where I am. Meanwhile, she's saying, just stop and ask for directions. Just stop and ask for directions. Of course, we don't worry about that now with our phones but the author, the author of Hebrews assumes that believers will have need. And that they will ask for help in those times of need. Notice how he says it. So let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Draw near with confidence. Not in fear, but in, with confidence. And the way to draw near, of course, we realize that Christ is in heaven. Seated at the right hand of the Father. We cannot draw near, we, we can't go there in this body, but we can go there through prayer. He says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. It is a throne of grace. You recall in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah had a vision of the Lord. And when he had this vision of the Lord, he was in the temple and he was seated on the throne. He was high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. And there were angelic beings flying around saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, who is to come. And Isaiah understood in that moment his sinfulness and said, Woe is me, for I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. Should have been incinerated. But here we have an example of a throne of grace because this, one of the angelic beings went and took some tongs and grabbed a coal and touched it to Isaiah's lips and he says, your sins have been atoned for. It was a throne of grace. The throne of grace is the source of grace. So if we want to ask for help in times of need, we need to go to the source of grace where God graciously gives help, where He meets our need for Grace. Now, I want to point out a word that you may have stumbled over in verse 16. He says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in time of need. That word may. It's not the the usage of the word may that we find in pharmaceutical commercials where they say you may experience a negative side effect. Aren't those commercials just comical? you may experience a negative side effect or you may not so it's not to say that god may help you or he may not no the help is assumed but the condition is not set on god but it's on the person help is conditional on drawing near not on god and if you draw near in times of need we will Receive mercy and find grace to help. That word in Greek for help is a word "boethia," And the first three letters in the Greek, it makes up its own word. And that word is cry. Cry aloud. Shout. In other words, I can remember when Sydney, Now, Reagan, she slept through through the night at one month. Thought we were the parents of the year. We had this down. And Sydney she changed changed all that up. We weren't weren't as good a parents as we thought we were. She wouldn't sleep through the night. And there were times when I was ready to get up and go get her. And my wife said, no, you don't. You put some earplugs in. Because I'm not going to get up and answer her cry every time she does this. See, God hears our cry. And he gives help in time of need now I want to introduce you to a term maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't you might have heard it perhaps in a Catholic context but I'm going to explain this from a purely Protestant context it's the term means of grace means of grace and a means of grace it's the instruments ordained by God to be the ordinary channels of grace to the souls of men now why would I bring this up just hold on Promise I'll get there. But let me go through this definition real quick. Ordained by God. okay. Means of grace are not something that men create trying to, to figure out a way to receive grace from God. No, these are ordained by God, not created by men. And then there's another word I want you to focus on. It is the word ordinary. Ordinary. It's available every believer it's not it's not like a spiritual gift you know we are each as believers given different spiritual gifts and talents one of mine is teaching and preaching it's not necessarily hospitality some of you man you have the gift of hospitality you have the gift of giving you have i don't know you you have that gift but not everybody has it but the means of grace the instruments that god gives to mankind are ordinary. Now, I want to follow this quickly by saying ordinary doesn't mean powerless. Doesn't mean powerless. Doesn't mean that it's like, okay, you got means of grace that are ordinary, and it's it's the version of going to the dollar store. It's, it's a dollar store type of thing that, that, that God has instituted. No, that's not it at all. It is filled with divine power notice also that these it's ordinary channels of grace it's God's delivery system of grace and it's to the souls of men it's spiritual it's not physical so get to the point pastor in this text there are two means of grace God's delivery system instituted by him to deliver grace to the souls of human beings who are longing to take hold of sufficient grace. One is prayer. It's an ordinary thing. It's available to everyone. He says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace in prayer. That's one of the means of grace that's talked about here. But the other one is the promises of God in His Word. That is assumed here. That there would be an understanding of what the high priest is. And where he is and his work. And that he truly is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. So here we find in one place two means of grace. Prayer and the promises of God. There's an encouragement here in this text for us to exercise our faith in Christ's atoning work. He is our high priest. And that as our high priest, he's sympathetic. He understands us. He feels for us. He can understand temptation and sin. And God is a good and gracious King. He's merciful. He's overflowing with loving kindness. That's the promises of Scripture. So that when we turn in times of need to, to ask for help, we have faith in a God who wants to help, who wants to meet our need. And that's why... I took, I took a moment to talk about this because there is a key word in verse 16. Let us then with confidence. Confidence. Approach the throne of grace. Draw near through prayer. With confidence. Not shirking in fear. That word confidence conveys the sense of boldness in the presence of someone who has great rank or power. I think we'd have to... All agree that there's none above the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And you remember how Isaiah, he got not in need when he saw the king high and lifted up. And we can understand why he would say, woe is me. He, would, he didn't have boldness in that moment. He shirked in fear because he saw God, uh, the, the Lord, high and lifted up. But we as believers, we don't shirk him. We draw near with confidence. Now, if you want to see some examples in Scripture of drawing near to God in prayer, praying the promises of God, turn to the Psalms. Turn to the Psalms over and over and over. If you want to pray the Word of God, open the book of Psalms. Find one that speaks to your soul, that connects to the particular instance that you're going to. Open your mouth and pray it. You are putting into practice both means of grace. Do it with confidence. There's a third assumption, and I'm going to try to speed up here. There's a third assumption. We have a sympathetic high priest who cannot fail. Cannot fail. Jesus is our high priest. He's the mediator between God and man. He is a mediator who is both God and man. Fully God. Fully man. God in He gets us. He understands us. He's sympathetic. He can feel for us and with us in our situation. He can appreciate when we are tempted. When we go through hard times, remember, Jesus basically went to the cross alone. His disciples abandoned. Jesus knows what that feels like. He can appreciate our condition because He's had the experience of pain and suffering. He understands fully that we are incapable and ineffective, that we're susceptible to temptation as sin. Why does He know that? Because the verse says, He has been tempted. He's one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. He understands He's experienced the full onslaught of temptation, such that we will never experience. And it says there, who in every respect has been tempted. Now, this is an interesting construction in the Greek. It's a a perfect participle. And I'm going to cut to the chase and tell you why you need to know that. Because, you know, Christ has ascended to the right hand of the Father, and you might think that Jesus has forgotten what it was like to be on earth to be tempted and tried and tested. No. He carries with Him right now as your sympathetic high priest a very vivid memory of what it was like to be tempted. That's why He's so sympathetic to you. And our sympathetic high priest cannot He cannot fail. Notice what it says at the end of verse 15. He was tempted as we are yet without sin. Without sin. He was sinless. He was victorious over every temptation. So why does that matter? Well, he couldn't be our high priest, first of all, if he wasn't sinless. But secondly, that means he's not going to lead his redeemed into sin. When we cry out, like Sidney did in the middle of the night, asking for help, he's not going to turn a deaf ear. One and two. When he answers, it will always be for his glory and for our good. He will not lead us into sin. Here's another reason why he can't fail. is because our God is not bound to By time, or space, or lack of knowledge, or lack of resources. It won't be because I wanted to try, I wanted to help, I was trying, I just couldn't get it done. That is not true. God will always help. Final assumption, we'll receive well-timed help. That word for help just simply means assistance. Assistance. Oftentimes we think we know exactly what it is we need. But God knows what we need. And so when we receive the help, it's what we need, not necessarily what we want. So how does God give us help? Well, it says, you draw uh, near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy. That's, That's one way. That God gives well-timed help. By the way, I worded it that way because that's exactly the way it is in the Greek. It doesn't say need. It says well-timed help. It doesn't say anything about in time of need. It's just assumed. But the first help that God gives is He gives mercy. When it says receive mercy, the, the, the idea there is to take hold of it. If, if I were to say, Patrick, this is my iPad. I want you to have it. The way that he understands that I really do want to give it to him is he'll come up and take it. You're not getting my iPad. But he'll, he'll receive it. He'll take hold of it. And so the help that God gives, we are to believe... That He's giving it and we're to receive it. Take hold of it. Take hold of the mercy that He gives. That mercy is, is compassion. It's pity. It's kindness. It's concern. It's this mercy that blind Bartimaeus cried out for. Remember? Jesus walking by and He says, Have mercy on me, Son of David, over and over and over. Have mercy on me. In other words, Jesus, take pity on me. Be concerned with my concern. Show kindness to me. Be compassionate. The second help that's promised is finding grace. That word find means simply to attain a state or condition. Think of it like this. Someone, and you've probably used this, this, this phrase before, I have found peace. Anybody ever used that before? I've found peace about this situation. In other words, they, they've attained to this, this, this state or condition of peace. So when God gives well-timed help, He gives grace. And we actually we attain to a, 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 a state of grace. What does that mean? Well, if we understand grace in this context, not as God's uh, unmerited favor to undeserving sinners but instead uh, understanding as divine empowerment, then finding grace means that God through His Son, through the High Priest, the Mediator, gives His weak people who draw near to Him confidently to the throne of grace. He gives them empowering grace. It's, it's an empowerment. And it's always, always well-timed. You think about Exodus, people of God in Egypt. Finally, Passover, they're led out, and they, where are they? They're at the Red Sea. And all of a sudden, there's the Egyptian army, hot on their heels, and they need help. And, and they're a little, they don't have a whole lot of faith, but they just kind of cry out to Moses, Did, did God just bring us out here to kill us? God had perfect timing. Gave them the help that they needed. Later on, you'd think they'd learn the lesson. They get hungry. Their tummies are rumbling, probably like yours is right now. Hurry up, Pastor. I'm almost there. Their tummies started rumbling. Had they not remembered that God had led them to the Red Sea, through the Red Sea? Parted the waters, they came out on the other side. The Egyptian army totally destroyed. Had they forgotten that? Seemingly. So they cry out We need, we need food, our bellies are, are empty. God gives well timed help. So there's the four assumptions we're going to have need, we're going to ask for help. We have a sympathetic high priest to whom we turn. Through using the means of grace, prayer and, and promises of God's word, and we will receive well-timed help. And I want to close with this. I want to challenge you, believers, take hold of God's sufficient grace. First, God says, "You must come to him, and you must ask boldly, you must ask. Confidently, If you ask in any other manner, why should you expect him to respond? If there was no confidence but only doubt or even fear in asking, why should you expect anything from him? Second thing, believers. You may indeed draw near, confidently expecting mercy and help. But in response, God may give you what you truly need, what not what you think you need. It's still mercy and grace there. Don't count those out as not being merciful, not being gracious. No. God may give you what you truly need, not what you think you need. And so real trust in God says thank you, even when you don't receive what you want. Finally, notice that God supplies what we need just when we need it. His timing and hours, how often are they different? We're eager. God's not. He's, he knows what He's going to do. And he's going to do it in His time. He may, provide, he may not provide the help before the very height of the trial that you're going through, but only in the midst of it. He may even use the trial as the means for providing the help in one way or another. But here's what I want to challenge you to do. Trust what Paul See, Paul had to learn that God is sovereign in dispensing his, his sufficient grace, and that we would be the same. If you're an unbeliever, if you're lost, I want to urge you today take hold of sufficient grace. You have a great need, and it's salvation from sin, and you cannot save yourself. You must this day ask for help, you must go to God through Christ the crucified and resurrected Son, and receive His help. And the only help He's prepared to give you is salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. If you cry out to God, you will find a high priest who is ready to to receive you. He turns no one away. Look at me. He turns no one away who comes to Him in faith. Not one person. If someone sincerely wants Christ Jesus, they can have Him. If you cry out to God through the high priest for salvation. You'll receive well-timed help. God is pleased to save all who repent of their sins and profess faith in Christ. He will make you a new creation. So whoever you are, whatever your situation, take hold of sufficient grace. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you for the fact that You have given us exactly what we need. And it's ordinary. We don't have to go up to heaven and bring it down. We don't have to cross some ocean, travel a great distance. No. You have given to us prayer and the promises of your word. And you have told us, draw near in your times of need to the throne of grace. That you might receive mercy, take hold of mercy, and find grace in your time of need. Lord, help us to do that. If there are any here today, Lord, that don't know Christ as Savior. And Lord, I pray today would be that day would work on their hearts. Show them their need for Jesus. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing Wonderful, Merciful Savior. If there's any kind of decision you'd like to make during this time, feel free to do so. Back up there, Jen. Y'all can be seated. Uh-huh. It says, you give the healing and grace our hearts always hunger for. I wonder how in tune we are with our own hunger for grace. Something to think about as we leave today. I just want to take a few moments. Promise to be brief. I know you've got rumbling tummies. I can I can hear some of them. Um, few updates. Um, Addie Webster, I think, had a good week, and so we praise God for that. Um, Any update on Judge or Zach? Basically the same? Good days, bad days. We always pray that he'd have more good days than bad days. Um, Candace is supposed to come home Tuesday. Praise the Lord for that. Um, Update on your uncle, Jerome? Still the same? Okay. Uh, Pray for Jim Watson's family. Jim is on our our prayer list. Um, Need to update update that to Jim Watson's family. He's a family friend of the Shanklins. When they were in Pearsall, he was the the director of missions there for their association. Jim passed away on Thursday. So he is with his Savior. Um, There's a few others on our list. Uh, You might not have heard last week. Kyle Kane. Uh, That's one of our youngsters at school. Tyler. It's his dad. He's suffering with MRSA. That's a, a um, uh, we have a nurse here, you can probably tell us what MRSA is. It's a bad bacteria, it's it's really strongly resistant to antibiotics, right? Thanks, it's always good to have a nurse in the house. Uh, Sterling Barker, that's um, Kyler's special friend. I enjoy saying that. <laughs> I wish he was here to squirm a little bit, it's kind of lost on y'all. Um, but Sterling, you know, he got stepped on bull riding, and he's been sent home. He does have a pick line. Is that right? And he's taken um, antibiotics. He'll m- need to be on antibiotics for quite a while because it's a pretty severe infection. I also pray for Terry Murphy. Uh, that is um, uh, Sadie. What's Sadie? Sadie Lewis's uh, daughter. She had a stroke. Uh, she's down in Houston. So so pray Pray for these folks. Um, any other updates, prayer requests? Yes, sir. Oh, yes, sir. Ross Ellis, um, longtime friend of Cherokee Baptist Church. His mom passed away yesterday, Friday. I don't remember which. But the services are today. So Ross is going to preach our service today. So pray for Ross's family. Anyone else? All right. Well, let's stand. And um, I'm just going to pray us out. We won't say the Great Commission like we n- normally do. I'll pray. We'll bless the food. And then we'll, we'll go eat. Father, we do thank you and praise you for a great high priest um, who understands all the hardship and struggle um, that human beings can go through other than sin. Uh, Lord, for all the people that we've mentioned today who are going through hardship and struggle, I pray that they would um, take their need to the throne of grace, that they would in that time find mercy, find grace, and that they would be empowered, uh, that they would be encouraged Uh, by your grace and by your mercy. Lord, we pray that as we fellowship around the table, that you would bless this food to nourish and strengthen our bodies. Uh, We love you, Father. And we also, Lord, commit the time after the service, the the deacon uh, ordination time. uh, pray that you would be blessed through that as well. Lord, we love you. We praise you. It's in Christ's name. Amen. 130, our deacon ordination service will begin. Hope you can stay. Y'all have a great day.